0: Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of MG Rants. I'm Dan and Grace, and as always, I'm joined by Ross Merriam. Ross, how you doing this fine morning? I'm doing well, probably better than you are. You look kind of haggard. Um, oh, a how dare you! <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Uh, B, accurate. Uh,
1: is, it, is this a is this a consequence of MLB playoffs starting?
0: Uh, no. Like, uh, so every now that I just go through, like, every now that I have these problems where I just can't get to sleep at night you know like I just like can't actually fall asleep and then I'm still waking up at like a decent time in the morning so you know I'm only getting like you know four or five hours of sleep which isn't that bad once or twice when you've been going you know you've been doing it for a while it's like my body kind of hates me right now because I am you know I'm still working out every day and doing all this other stuff so I'm like I'm just tired man and like I assume I, I look it because I definitely feel it right now so I appreciate you yeah you know, giving me that compliment Ross yeah it's making me feel great this morning for everybody it's uh it's friday morning for us we're gonna try to get an episode out this week it's okay um, Tannin. you you've got five hours
1: before the braves play game three
0: yeah i'm gonna try to like maybe get a nap or something in there but yeah game three should be interesting since strider is gonna get back on the mound for us uh one of the best rookie seasons in the history of baseball as a pitcher uh easy enough to say that i think he had like uh, by war, I think he had the seventh best season of all time by like a rookie or whatever. I mean, someone was like putting the stats on the other. Day. I might have gotten that one wrong. It might have been Michael Harris, but, but, uh, you know, Schrader way up there. Huge, huge upside. Only going to pitch about two or three innings because he hasn't pitched in about a month. He's dealing with a little bit of an injury. Everybody said his arm feels good, feels great. So super excited about that. If you haven't seen this kid pitch or don't know what's going on and you know anything about baseball, you're going to hear a lot about him over the la- over the next few years. The, uh, the Braves already gave him a huge extension, which, you know, Tell me if you've heard this before. This year, the Braves extend another really good, young, talented player on their team. They're just the best run organization in the game, and I just couldn't be happier being a fan.
1: It's ridiculous. I don't understand how everyone is just like, "Oh yeah, I'll just sign a team friendly contract with the Braves so, over and over again." The, yeah. They just don't have a single person that's
0: like, "Nah, I'm gonna hold out." So a, a few things, right? A like, I, I hear the arguments about it being like team friendly and stuff, and. I'm not the biggest fan of saying that because there's a, there's a lot to that and like while I do think that like some of the contracts don't look great uh, on paper, uh, a lot of these kids are having uh, multiple years of them making practically no money bought out by doing this. So like they're financially stable earlier in their lives than they would be otherwise. And two, um, this money's guaranteed. You know, this isn't like football where they could just cut you like a year or two down the line. So. You know, when he signs this $80 million deal, like he gets this money, you know, and, you know, we're seeing it already, like two of the deals that got signed, um, you know, Ozzy Albies, which that one is, that one's very friendly. And then Acunas, is, you know, only being a hundred million for, you know, eight years. When you look at like, you know, what Julio Rodriguez just got or what like Tatis got, like, I think they pulled one over on their teams from the other perspective. Yeah, they're great players, but they've, you know, they'd only have like half a year of service time or whatever, blah, blah, blah. You know, there's arguments both sides, but then you look at it like, and it, it, again, I, I do think obviously the the teams gonna get the better end of these deals if the players are healthy. I mean, like, you know, Acuna didn't play last year practically, and it hasn't been himself this year. He's still good, but he's not like what he was. And then Ozzy Albies has played like ten games this year, and they're getting paid their full amount. You know, so like that's that's the other end of it as well. And again, look, I'm on the player side. I want these teams to play the to pay the players. I want them to get their money. Don't get me wrong, but. It is one of those things, like, I'm just sick of the narrative, that, like, there's a running narrative on Twitter that uh, we just get dirt on all of our players and, and like, hold them at <laughs> ransom, you know, like, he, he's, like, it's, like, some nefarious thing, but it also shows to the culture and, like, how good the organization is, like, almost every one of these guys that has these contracts, you know, you, you know, they're almost all, you know, besides Oz, Ozzy Albis and Akuma, and, and obviously, they're not from this country, but, like, almost all these other guys, they're hometown products. You know, they're kids that grew up in the Atlanta area within an hour or two of the ballpark or an hour or two of Atlanta. They grew up Braves fans. They know what it means to be in this area and to represent this team in this this part of the country. And yeah, maybe they take advantage of that a little bit, but like every one of the guys, when you hear them talk about it, they're like, I wanted to be here. I wanted to be with this team. I wanted to be in this clubhouse and with these coaches. And like, I think it can't be understated enough, like how much help you'll probably get in this kind of situation when you're one of the best organizations in the game, you're winning a lot. Right. And everything around it is just top notch. Like, like, you know, their coaches are great. Their front office is great. You know, they're going to be winning for the next five, they have, six years, they have a new stadium, they brand have, new, you know, yeah. new practice facilities. And
1: all, yeah, all those things are definitely, um, you know, things that often get overlooked by, yeah. You know, us as fans, we don't realize the day-to-day reality of professional athletes and how, you know, the context of that was going to change their decision-making. I think you make a really great point here.
0: Here's a perfect example. I have a friend that plays in the NFL, and, like, we talk all the time, right? And, uh, you know, he played at Texas A&M. He played for, like, you know, he's played for Baltimore. And, like, um, in case anyone was
1: wondering, uh, that friend is not me.
0: It's not. It's not Ross. Just
1: in case you might have thought that it's, it's not very it's not
0: easy. New. Very easy mistake to make.
1: Yeah, I it, often get mistaken it, for a professional football player. It, it just, I'm kind of sick of it, Tannen. It, it just happens too much.
0: The distinction needs to be made, Ross. Yeah. Yes. So it's, yeah,
1: this is this, this is a not Ross friend of Tannen's that is playing in the NFL. And yes,
0: I do have other friends, but uh, <laughs> and it's it's yeah, just like I allow I Tannen too. It's just like I didn't play in the NBA for the last 20 years. My name's not J.J. Reddick. You know, I used to get that a lot. Um, especially when he played in New Orleans. I actually, like, legit, I was out drinking with some friends one night, and some dude's like, is that J.J. Reddick? And I was like, no. Was like, no. <laughs> no, it is and, not. Yeah. Then, but that, see, buddy. that was a punt on your part, Tannen.
1: You should have yeah. said yes and gotten a yeah. free beer out of it.
0: Well... The, Here's the thing. For, for one, I'm not the same size as the guy. I know that I do kind of look like him. Two, it, it was during one of the colder parts of the year, so I did have, like, you know, like a sweater or something. on. So, A, I looked a little bigger. B, you couldn't see my arms. Because if I remember right, JJ's, like, padded up. You know, like, I think he has sleeves yeah. or whatever. So, like... That's a pretty obvious thing but also if you like walked up to me and started talking to me you could tell i'm not an nba player you know kind of thing i'm also like i think jj's like 6-3 or something maybe i just
1: looked it up he is listed at 6-4 He's 6'4".
0: I am five eleven and a half. You know, like right <laughs> at with shoes, I'm six feet. So we're we're uh, yeah. we're not there.
1: Well, that but, that measurement is also probably the shoes. So he's probably six yeah. three outside of shoes. Yeah, he's probably
0: six two, six three. Everybody. Yeah. I mean, like, remember when Barkley was listed at like six eight or whatever? My like, bro, he's like six four. Like, yeah, me, maybe they, six three.
1: A, a couple of years ago, they actually started doing the measurements without shoes, and I they I just saw the." The jet, one of the jazz writers, just did a brief article listing everyone's previous height and now yeah. you know new height. Yeah. Some of them actually stayed the same because sometimes they'll they'll actually uh, you know underreport the size of bigger guys. Um, mm-hmm. and, but like Donovan, when he came into the league, was listed at 6'3", and he's just six <laughs> one.
0: Like, come on. Yeah, exactly. And so the point i was trying to make is, uh, I was talking to him about that, in free agency. You know, and he's a big Yankees fan. And so he's talking about Aaron Judge, who's going to be, you know, the the biggest, one of the biggest free agents ever, right? You know, he's coming off of practical, practically a triple crown season. You know, he broke the American League record for home runs. Super bet on himself, right? Like, he rejected, like, a $230 million contract. He's going to get probably $100 million more than that. You know, w- what a season, right? Like, what else can you say? But he was talking about it, and, and talking from a player's perspective, and, like, you know, he, he follows sports pretty good. You know, this guy, like, actually, like, you know, he's watching the playoffs. Like, he's not, you know, yeah. like me, I don't mean that in a bad way because like he's got more of real life. He's out there working out twice a day because he plays in the NFL, you know, and stuff and he was like, "Yeah, man, if like I was judged, he's like he's like I would go to like one of the New Yorks, Toronto or Atlanta and then I wouldn't even think about like anyone else." And I was like, "Really?" And I was like, "I don't even think half those teams can afford him." And he's like he's like, "Yeah, no, I get that. Like he'll probably end up staying in New York cuz like no one can afford him, but he's like I wouldn't go any like he's like you're, he's like gone in their days or you're not going to see many uh, of these athletes as much anymore. Take these huge contracts on teams that are terrible unless the contract is just so much bigger. Cause like there's still some like, you know, Chris Bryant's got a huge deal to go play for Colorado and he's never going to win again in his life or yeah. whatever, you know, cause he won a world series in Chicago, but now he went to the Colorado, but like they also gave him a deal that I'm pretty positive. He got about 40% more than he would have gotten on the open market on any other team. Maybe, maybe 50% more like his agent just deserves a medal also Colorado deserves to not have a franchise in baseball they just are the worst run <laughs> baseball team in the game and sorry if there's any Rockies fans out there and we'll in we'll the sports conversation there aren't any Rockies fans don't worry yeah I know right and um yeah it's, it's all paid actors so um <laughs> but yeah like just overall you know we do under underrate underappreciate the humanity side of it and like I've started trying to like understand that more because you know, you and I are different like obviously like you know, what's the difference between 200 million and 190 million if you get to play where you want? You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like like let's let's be real. Also, there's other there's other factors too, like you know, we talked about um, you know, like when Freddie Freeman left the Braves that he took less money to play in LA because you know, his agent kind of screwed up. But there's the other factors of like, he's making an extra, like, 14% less because of the way taxes work in L.A. versus the way taxes work in yeah. Atlanta, Georgia. But uh, so he also
1: has more opportunities for endorsements and more yeah. lucrative endorsements when he's in L.A. Yeah. Like, you know, so those a, a lot of those it. things tend
0: to balance out. Yeah. Uh, like, if you wonder why a lot of these guys want to go to Texas and get big deals. It's like there's literally no income tax in Texas, so you just yeah. get your you just get your contract. Same same, <laughs> same with Florida. No state income tax. But nobody wants to go to Florida, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Professional athletes want to go to Miami.
0: <laughs> okay, Miami is an exception. Miami's an exception, yeah. But not for baseball, but yeah. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, not as much for baseball. But uh yeah.
1: yeah. I'm basically I'm just jealous that the Braves have like eight great young players and yeah. have somehow just signed all of them to like yeah. six plus year contracts. So they're just going it's gonna be like the nineties again, where they're just yes. good for a decade.
0: Yeah, and I mean <sighs> It's one of those things, like some people hate it's like so funny when you see the hate for it. It's just like, dude, like we're we're accepting yeah. new fans, get on the bandwagon. Like well, I mean, I told my you. My team way.
1: just blew up, blew it up and we're yeah, gonna be was, bad yeah. for at least three years. That's like yeah. the most optimistic outcome. So I I'm just seething in jealousy and rage.
0: Yeah, it's it's one of those things, but like you know that i'm va- a you know that i'm not a fair weather fan you know that i was yeah. there i was literally watching every game but and they i lost still hate 100- you yeah sure yeah. i'll i'll accept it <laughs> <laughs> you know that you know that i was there watching every game and they lost 105 games you know, Yeah, when they were when they were fielding a triple a team plus freddie freeman you know like it was it was awful like it was hard to watch but I was like, man, I want to watch some of these kids play, see what they look like, you know, like, blah, blah, blah. You know, I got to see Dansby Swanson make his, like, major league, you know, debut and see some of these guys make their debuts and, like, struggle and, like, figure it out. And it was fun and rewarding. And they turned it around a little faster than I thought they would. But, like, we also got a lot of talent really fast. You know, it worked <laughs> out really well. And they're locking it all up. And, you know, they made about five or six really big contract extensions in the last, like, year, year and a half. And if you hit on like four of the six, five of the six, like that's that's ideal, you know, because like yeah. you, you know at least one of them is not going to work. Like someone's going to get hurt. Like something's not going to work out. You know, you're going to be overpaying at some point. But like that's that's part of the game. You know, it's like kind of like a lottery in a lot of spots. We just have more tickets than anybody else. So yep. we'll see what happens. And it's gonna be fun to watch. You know, uh, speaking of watching, didn't you do some commentary and some uh, kind of versus live type stuff recently with Todd Anderson?
1: Yeah, that was last weekend in uh
0: in lovely Caldwell, Ohio. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm not going to believe some of that, but I will believe other parts of it, but yeah, I will say this. I I did tune in for a little bit of it. Uh loved the job you did. I didn't get to watch as much cuz I was you. super busy that weekend. Uh you all did a great job, but also loved the vibe.
1: Yeah, uh we're we're a little bit more relaxed of a uh of a commentary team and, and that's, you know, makes sense given that it's you know a, a local store and, and their local series that they're building up and not this, you know, big headlining kind of event. Um, but I, I think that, you know, just plays into it uh, and makes it a good time and, and good for viewers. So, yeah, we, had a, we always have a, have a good time there. The, the co-owner of the store, Kyle, uh, who like owns like three different other businesses in Caldwell, and then I also found out is an assistant coach for the high school football team and they're uh not caldwell high school football team there's like another local school uh that he's like the assistant coach for which is hilarious and like one of his family members is the head coach uh it's just you know welcome to small town usa Hmm. and the so we got there friday night and the store was dead like last time we went in and there was like FNM going on. We did like a draft, we talked to everybody. We went in there was like two people in the store. And we're like what is going on? They're like yeah, everybody's at the football game because yeah. his, uh, Kyle's team was playing Caldwell. And the two teams were both like 6 and 1 or 7 and 0. Oh. Like That's I, a I huge think huge game, yeah. Yeah, it was like a big, big game for the for locally. Did so they the won game? and they had a bunch of people over to his house. So we, we we went there for a bit. Um, did you go and, to the game? Hmm. we did not go to the game
0: oh man i would have been like let's go to the game anyway continue no
1: right? i i've watched enough high school football games in my time i don't i don't yeah, need to watch but
0: anymore. like i don't know it's kind of part of the experience in my opinion but go ahead sure
1: but uh we also i also when i declined to go i didn't realize that everyone else was going to be there <laughs> that yeah. might have swayed my decision a little bit. yeah
0: yeah when you get to the store i would be like we made a mistake <laughs> yeah
1: uh but you no, know, we we got to go to his house and then you know hang out with all the coaches and parents and a few of the players that were hanging around there uh just to celebrate their win and then uh you know did the commentary on saturday uh and then sunday if, if you know people are unaware uh so last time we were there that they, they did two events so we just did two days of commentary. This time it was only it was just the one event uh that one of their qualifiers for the Apex invitational this is Apex Gaming is the store. And uh, which was also an RCQ. So they they were qualifying for two big events. Yeah, so and
0: you could double up on the event. So pretty high stakes. Yeah. yeah.
1: And then Sunday, you know, rather than do commentary, since there wasn't a tournament to commentate, we essentially did Versus Live. Uh, we called it the Apex Gauntlet, but we did it. We did essentially two shows. We did six hours of it. Uh, and it started with me playing Just Guy Breach against a gauntlet of modern decks that Todd played. And then we switched over to Pioneer. He played a Tarka Red, which is the deck he's been playing against the Gauntlet of Pioneer decks. Uh and it was great to do, you know, that kind of content again. If you missed it, that stuff should be up on the their YouTube channel now. Let me let me check and make sure. I know I I, I talked with Taryn and he said he was gonna get all that stuff up this week, along with the commentary if you want to watch the the tournament. All those vods should be up now.
0: Yeah, I was just going to uh, ask about that. Like, hopefully the vods are up because like people can go back and watch this. You know, they've been kind of. Uh, f- I've seen some people fiending about like, man, I wish versus live was still around. So there you go. You know, you can kind of scratch that itch. Kind of we make a comment on the pioneer thing you were talking about, and uh, you know, I've got a friend that's been playing the format a lot. He's qualified for Atlanta. You know, wants to like you know play all the PTs type things and. He actually thought, you know, a couple months ago that he had broke the format. He, you know, started playing a Tarka Red, like, right before Todd did. And he was like, yeah, it's, it's been pretty good. Like, I'm beating Mono Green and stuff and, like, blah, blah, blah. But then he's found that, like, he's having a hard time consistently beating Red Black. So he's like, look, if I, if I only beat one of the two popular decks, like, he's like, I'm trying to find the deck that can beat both of them. at his consistent clip. And I'm like, yep, there's the format in a nutshell for you. Good luck. You know, if you can find <laughs> a deck that, that can beat both of those, you're in a really, really good spot. But... Yeah. That's the hard part, you know. Looks so. like the
1: the modern portion of the gauntlet is up. That went okay. up yesterday, so they're probably working on the, the Pioneer today, and it'll be up soon.
0: Sure, yeah. Yeah, got a lot of stuff to take care of and all that, and make sure it looks good. You know, you, you want to put out a good product and stuff, so that's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, but all, um, all the VODs
1: from the tournament are up, mm-hmm. so the, they did that first. So you, yeah. you, uh, you, can, you can watch all of it now. Please do. There. <laughs> Apex Please Gaming day, and spotable. Esports.
0: Yeah. Please click on it as much as possible, yeah. No, uh, I'm excited. I'm going to go back and watch a little bit more of it. You know, I wish you could watch a little more of it live. Do you guys interact with chat whenever you're doing it at all?
1: We did during the gauntlet. Yeah. Um, and we did a little bit during the commentary when we had some downtime. Yeah, but time. Yeah, right? when, when we did the gauntlet, we just set a laptop up to, to the other side of us. It got a little awkward because our, our two cameras were, uh, you know, to, uh, to one side of us. The laptop was to the other. So normally, like, you know... Uh, you know, Rob would be doing all all the interacting with chat and just relaying it to us. And so I was trained to just look into the camera and now I'm looking over the effectively looking away from the camera to read the laptop screen. Yeah. So uh, I had, I had some, a little bit of trouble getting used to that. Um,
0: Yeah. It's just different, right? Yeah. You have to get, yeah. Again, you have to get used to it. And I go through, you know, different ones. Like there's a lot of times I'm doing fab, and I come up and doing flesh and blood. I'm, uh, I, I call this like I'm 100 percent professional. Like I'm just doing my job, trying to do everything, run the show, done. Right? I don't I'll I'll talk to chat. Like I say, hey chat this or like blah 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 or ask them something, hey, tweet at me, but I don't interact with it in real time. And then, you know, sometimes on NRG where we have a little more downtime, or it's honestly it's a l- like magic's a little easier for me to do commentary for than than Flesh and Blood. I don't have to think as much. And I don't mean that in any kind of insulting way, it's just Magic's a little more secondary to, like, the way I think. You know, I've been playing it for 20 years versus, you know, I've been playing Fab a for more a year. Yeah, it's just easier for me. So I can look over on my second monitor, and I'm at home. So I can look over at my second monitor and have chat up. When I'm physically there, you know, it's you know, the ex- I don't want to add the extra screen. You know, because, like, um, I'm sure you can understand this. Like, for people at home that maybe have, like, never seen or heard me talk about this before. Like when I'm doing commentary for like flesh and blood or any of the big events, generally this is what it's, it's going on. So like Ross and I'd be sitting next to each other, right? Let's say Ross is my partner in crime for this event. And Ross, you can kind of back me up with some of this stuff too, because I'm sure you'll have an experience that's different from mine or you'll notice something that I don't. So Ross and I be sitting there next to each other and we're talking to each other, right? We're having a conversation. And uh, sometimes you have headsets on, sometimes you don't depending on however you do it, lapel pins, mics in front of you, whatever. But you're talking to each other, right? And you're having a conversation. And the conversation needs to start at the beginning of the show, go all the way through whatever you're doing, and then end when you go to commercial, right? So, like, there's a constant conversation. There is generally a giant television in front of us that has that's showing whatever you're seeing on the screen. One of the hardest parts to do here is to... Not look at yourself on the damn camera when the camera's on you. You look at the camera and not look at the screen. You know, yep. You'll see all of us do that quite a bit <laughs> just because you're like, you can't help it. You're a human being. One of the, the tricks that we do here, uh, I think that I commonly do if the camera is very close to the screen, is I take a note card and I draw a smiley face on it and I tape the note card to the very bottom of the camera lens. So I just look, and we name it every show somebody different. So we just look at Todd or, you know, or we look at Ross or yeah. we'll look at Kyle It is like, you know, we'll talk look to at Kyle Carlos. Or, look at carlos yeah it's whatever not not at the table carlos but um anyway so we have all that going on um when i have the headset on you know you talked about rob right so rob's one of the best at this at just like only talking when need to and it's not like some people talk too much but we do get talked to all this is going on y'all can't hear it at home but you know so you ross and i will be talking like we are right now and then somebody be like all right we're going go to commercial in 10 seconds or you know hey we need to we're ready to go to commercial like you know, throw whatever you want and like it's just a simple sentence like that but it's very jarring when you're having a conversation with someone and someone in your ear is like all right we're ready to go down to the match and like you know like you have to hear that and not stop your current thought process and finish what you're doing but you also need to understand that and then yeah you're watching something on the screen interpreting that and then giving it back to the person as well and then uh, sometimes I'm doing the card viewer as well. You know, the cards that pop up on the screen. Sometimes I'm physically, I have had to do that where I'm physically doing that at the same time. So all of that is going on at once while we're trying to do this at home. I just want everybody to know that's ever right. This chat commentary is the easiest job in the world. I don't know how they ever mess up or, you know, you get something <laughs> wrong. Cause it's just, Oh, you're just reading what's going on at the screen. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, very, very, very easy. I hope yes. they keep letting me do it. And yeah, I hope they, if, yeah,
0: I hope I keep getting picked for the easiest job ever. It'll yeah. get paid really well, you know.
1: And and if you want them to keep letting me do it, please watch the VODs and boost these YouTube numbers up. Um and you know, if this is content that you want to see live, Todd and I should be uh we haven't confirmed it a hundred percent, but we know they want us back in December when they have another qualifier event to effectively do the same thing. Um and that that'll be the first weekend of December. Uh, so that is likely to happen, though it is not guaranteed at, at this point. So the December third and fourth, so uh, another month or so, and we should be back there and, and uh, you know d- doing our thing. This this was, it was even better this weekend because the instead of going to like ten o'clock the second day because you know we were doing commentary, we just did our six hours noon to six, uh, and. Got out in time that Todd was just like, you want to just go home now because it, it's only yeah. like a four and a half hour drive because yeah, it's, it's the yeah. cl- closest part of Ohio. So we were home by like eleven on yeah, Sunday night. Great. It was perfect. It was yeah, it was perfect. Uh, easy
0: easy weekend. Get get a nice little meal in and go and go to bed. Yeah,
1: yeah. we 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 are now in the habit on the way there of stopping in Charleston, West Virginia, and going to the same Indian place and getting
0: Indian buffet. Fuck Their yeah, korma dude, that's awesome. is unbelievable. I'm so jealous. I've been, I've been, you know, I'm gonna go get some Indian food today. Maybe like after the Braves game.
1: I ordered some earlier this week.
0: God, I'm so <laughs> jealous. I wish I knew how to make good Indian food. Like I just can't. I just can't. I like. I just can't I, do it.
1: Well, um, my coloring I'll, skills I, stop there. I think that one of the biggest things is using whole spices. Mm-hmm. So like whole cumin seeds, whole cardamom pods as much as you can
0: i just don't have that sitting around so i don't like spending you know a bajillion dollars because like the first time you go get all the stuff you have to buy all of it so it's just yeah. like i can just go get the food made for me it's easier but
1: the, the whole spices are surprisingly cheap mm. but then you gotta you need something to grind them in whether it's an electric spice grinder or a mortar and pestle and
0: yeah uh, uh, and you know me i'd probably like to do the mortal pestle because like i kind of like i'm kind of old school when it comes to certain stuff like that I like yeah it.
1: also the mortar and pestle is like actually a a versatile tool as opposed to the spice grinder that just does sure. one thing. Yeah. Sure. Um, sure. Yeah, as, as Alton Brown says, a unitasker that he is not a, a, unitasker, a fan of. I like that. Yeah. Um, uh, but regardless, uh, hopefully we get to keep doing that because I've enjoyed immensely. Both times I've, uh, I've been up there uh, and I like that they have this, you know, that, um, that they're growing this scene and uh, you know, that there's rivalries among the players. They like to talk a lot of trash which is that's great. Awesome. Um, you know, they, apparently th- their attendance wasn't great for the first couple that they've run for season two, but this one, they, they capped. They capped at 78. Oh, nice. Uh, and, you know, I think that is in, in large part due to the fact that they knew Todd and I were going to be there doing commentary so they can, like, get on camera and, and that's always cool and that's always a draw for people. Like, you mm-hmm. know... Maybe maybe some other tournament organizers can potentially learn this lesson and increase their sagging attendance numbers with some coverage.
0: Yeah, I know, right? Uh, You know, maybe
1: someone that held a tournament recently in, like, I don't know, Dallas, Texas, that only got uh, maybe 325 people when they used to get three times that number just yep. you know yep. apropos of nothing
0: yeah <laughs> you know what actually I'm, I'm kind of uh i'm kind of jealous of i've never actually really gotten to do actual commentary with you or todd and it's just like i wonder how that would go like <laughs> like there's part of you that's like yeah it'd just be super easy it'd be great it just be like we'd flow very easy there's part of me that would just be like we we might have like some growing pains you know <laughs> like, considering how we do the other things we might like gravitate towards that immediately and then be like all right well we have to like kind of find our footing with this, you know?
1: Yeah, we, we might derail a, a little bit more often oh, yeah. than you otherwise
0: would. I might regularly start dropping f-bobs because I think it's like MTTG rants. I'm like, wait a <laughs> minute, I can't do that. <laughs> what am I doing? You know, kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting. I, I would love to do that at some point in time. You got anything else going on in your real life recently?
1: Um not a ton right now. Uh, you know, I've got a pretty busy slate of tournaments that hopefully gets less busy if I just win the RCQ this weekend and then don't have yeah, to go to any anymore. That.
0: Yeah, I was just playing for that.
1: Yeah, losing the finals two weeks ago was a tilt.
0: Uh, oh, I forgot that happened.
1: Yeah, I've got uh, SCG's RCQ is, uh, is tomorrow, actually. And then next weekend, the other store in Roanoke Blade is having theirs on a Sunday. Uh, and then the weekend after that, the two weeks after that, I'm off. But then it's SCG Philly, uh, DreamHack Atlanta, Thanksgiving uh, weekend in Ohio doing Apex commentary, and then NRG in Louisville, which will be my first NRG event. That's their showdown at the end of season three. So hopefully I can win that and then qualify for their end of the year thing. So yeah, I'm
0: super jealous. I need to actually go uh, play in some NRG events or two.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what what all the fuss is about uh, with them. See, you know uh, how it compares to the the old SCG tour days. So, uh, I've got a, a pretty full slate of of tournaments here. Um, we've also, after the Blade RCQ, I've got a got a Halloween party to go to. Uh, the the Andersons are reviving their their old tradition of doing Halloween. That's
0: that kind of old, annoying
1: actually. because I hate dressing up for Halloween, so I've got to figure Same. a costume out. Probably just going to do my cheat costume of Al Borland, where I just wear a flannel shirt and tuck it in.
0: <laughs> and just keep your hand in your pants. <laughs> yeah. You maybe, I'll, Pol- maybe I'll get a tool Pol-Kai, belt and really sell it. you got to get the Polkai t-shirt. That t-shirt like actually exists. Like, I see it all the time. There's a guy that wears it to the poker table all the time. He says the Polkai. Because I think that's where he played football, right? He scored, I think, four touchdowns in one game. I think that's the joke. Or whatever, three touchdowns, D- different Al. You're, think- oh, wait,
1: Al you're thinking you're uh, thinking married with children, right?
0: Is Al Borland? I'm thinking is Al Borland tool time?
1: Yeah, Al Borland is Richard Karn. I'm so sorry, Home Improvement.
0: Yeah, I apologize.
1: But uh, yeah, you're thinking. Um, God, what what was their last name? The actors at O'Neill, Al Bundy,
0: <laughs> Al Bundy. Yeah,
1: yeah, um, yeah. Wow. I-, I was a little. I was like hand in my hand in the pants. That makes sense now. Al Bundy did yeah, that
0: a lot. Yeah, he just always sit on the couch and put his hand in his pants, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, like, I'm surprised they don't do that on, like, network television or whatever, but I guess whatever, you know, it's it's great. He didn't put his entire hand... That's why they're like, look, you can't put the entire hand in, okay? Yeah, like yeah. Seven, 60% is where we draw the line. Yeah, just it's only like, only two knuckles. <laughs> it's, like, it's like how much of a butt you can show on TV nowadays. Like, apparently on TV you can show, like, 90% of a butt or whatever, but you can't show the whole ass.
1: Whatever, so. <laughs> uh... Yeah, so uh, I got to figure that out. Um, mm-hmm. Mainly, I'm just kind of glad that it's not miserably hot anymore. Like by the end by the end of summer, I'm always just like, God, it's been hot for three months. It's been like I, the need, 70s, I need this the to stop.
0: Or, yeah, it's been like the 70s or 80s here. Like I went for a walk the other night, because like, I tried to get you know my steps in, and I literally had to put a sweater on. I was like, This is great.
1: Our uh, our softball season ended last night unceremoniously. We we played a close game. Got punished for a couple a couple mistakes, like, you know, w- would make an error to extend the inning, and they'd get a couple hits afterwards and score a few yeah. runs. I played terribly. I played pretty badly all season, because we just didn't get any practice time in, because they were running this new Sunday league, and that's when we would normally practiced. Also, I was gone for a lot of weekends, so I-, I could very easily tell that, like, I just wasn't seeing the ball well, both <laughs> when I was hitting, like, not reading the ball well uh there but also like in the outfield i'd like see, like the ball would get hit and i'm like i know that's coming at me but i'm not sure if i need to be running forward or backwards and then uh, you know i would have it would be three seconds later by the time i figured it out uh whereas you know by the end of the season the other couple seasons i'd you know seen enough balls just practicing that that kind of intuition was coming back to me from my you know days as a 10 year old playing little league
0: sure sure when do you when do you start playing again
1: uh, in the spring, it'll be like March.
0: I might have to come visit for like a few weeks and just be on the team <laughs> for a little while uh, and just be horribly awful, but just have a lot of fun.
1: I think you'll be fine. This is I'll not a team right that in. has a lot I'll, of um, I'll fit right talent or skill. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we do have a lot of, what's that word? A lot of teams really need Um, talent. Yeah, yeah exactly.
1: Oh, man. So. <laughs> in, our, in our last inning of the game, McCurry is, is up to bat and... Swings at a pitch and it ends up just being a swinging bunt that goes about ten feet down the third base line and stops, which is great because he's gonna beat that he's gonna beat that for every time uh but they were so slow getting into the ball, and obviously the the middle infield like you know didn't move because of the play was gonna go to first that he just kept going and took second <laughs> just a, just a swinging bunt turned double. <laughs>
0: Hey, it looks like a double in the box score. That's all I'm saying. It's a real <laughs> double to left in the box score, all right?
1: We all, the entire dugout just cheered <laughs> like, like we had fucking won the World Series. That's a, that's, a,
0: that's when you know the team is strong. Like, i like, I actually love it. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's talk about some serious stuff that went on in uh, Magic here in the last week. Because there, there was a big announcement on Monday. Uh, we got two cards banned. One card in Standard, which we're going to LOL at quite a bit and then a card in Modern. Do we start out with a card in Standard so we can just kind of like laugh it off a little bit before we get serious about the Modern one?
1: Yeah, um, let's do that. I'm sure
0: there's people out there that are really happy this card got banned, but like Ross knows my stance on this and I think this is kind of a joke. (laughs) Like this just seems so ridiculous to me that Me Too Massacre was banned in Standard. And I can see some reasons why Ross and I are going to talk this out just a little bit, but overall to me... This seems so heavy-handed and just lazy. I, I, I'm trying to think of a way to put this that's not insulting because I don't want to insult anyone. But like, this is not a card that was showing up in like four ups too much across the board. In fact, it was showing up as like one and two ofs maybe sideboard stuff in a lot of the decks. And you know, just from my cursory review of a lot of stuff, I have played standard quite a bit. I play against black every round, and it feels to me like they're like, look. We need to ban a card out of the black decks because like black's in every deck now, right? That's explicitly what they said. Yeah, we can't, we can't ban. I'm, I'm going further, Ross. I'm going further. Okay, I'm not done yet. We can't ban Liliana. You know, this new set's out. It's, it's a go-to mythic. We, we can't ban any of these new cards. We can't ban something stupid like a removal spell. We can't ban Shieldred. So they're like, okay, what if we ban this like really expensive mythic? And it's really expensive in standard. Nobody knows why. Maybe it's Commander or something like that. But it's just from a set that nobody played. Nobody has copies of this card. It's not actually that good. And maybe they'll build their decks better if we take the card from them. Like, they'll play an actual removal spell in that spot instead of this card that might do something. And it's also a nightmare to play with in paper because it has a million triggers. Am I getting there? Does that sound about right? So, I...
1: Yeah, I don't know how much the, you know, the price of it influenced their decision. I
0: wonder if it did, because it is a little prohibitive for new standard players to be like, well, okay, I need this Metook MasterCard, and there's three in my sideboard, and that's $200, yeah. like you know? Sorry but, to uh, I, I, I'm probably wrong, but...
1: But my my issue is in how they, they set up the decision of, of, of what to ban. And it's, oh, black decks are dominant let's ban a black card. And, you know, if you play Magic at a high level, it it should be pretty easy to understand that color is a superficial way of understanding decks. And they should have gone deeper and thought about why black decks, or, you know, black is is part of all these decks. Because it's not just like mono black, You know, that was week one. But it has eventually become these three-color decks, Esper, Grixis, there is also Racto Sacrifice, uh, that is pretty good. And but but Esper and Grixis have been the, the most popular over the, the few weeks that standard has been around, this standard. And you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, one is that there's a lot of powerful gold cards that push you into those combinations, like Corpse Connoisseur, Rafine, uh and others. But You also get better, you know, better mana than other three color combinations because there's only five Triomes and Grixis and Esper are two of them. So, uh, you know, you get power with less of a consistency loss.
0: Yeah, I mean, your mana being good is a big, big plus in this column, right?
1: And then uh, beyond the gold cards, there's also Fable of the Mirror Breaker, which is key for every Rakdos center deck and Wedding Announcement. That's key for every Orzhov center deck because Orzhov is also a deck. So speaking
0: of another card that's just a million dollars, by the way. Yeah.
1: So th- that should point you towards you know where where the power level is in this format. It's in a lot of these you know three mana value generating enchantments, and the reason that Meat Hook Massacre sees a lot of play but isn't like a staple for of is that it's important for these decks to have a way to catch up from behind against a you know wall of different va- you know creatures that were generated at value, whether you know tokens from Fable tokens from wedding announcement, all these corpse connoisseurs that, you know, generated value and refines that generated value as they entered the battlefield. And so you can't really afford to just spot removal your way out of these spots because you're going to get you know, you're gonna run out of resources if you try to do that. Meat Hook Massacre was the card that let you, you know, catch up from all of these spots. So actually banning Meat Hook Massacre is only going to exacerbate the issue that Standard has, which is it's being overrun by these powerful value-generating enchantments. So I don't see the banning of Meat Hook Massacre having any real impact on the metagame in terms of a like a strategic standpoint. Now, what it might do, and wizards will probably naively pat themselves on the back, is allow for non-black versions of these mid-range decks to be good. Like I, I can now imagine a deck that like Naya, because Naya has a Triome, that just plays Wedding Announcement and Fable, because you realize that the black decks just can't answer them anymore. And maybe they're like, that, you know, is the best thing. But that doesn't really change the nature of how the standard environment works. You know, it, you just get to say, oh, this deck doesn't have Swamps in it, so, you know, it's a more diverse format. But it's really still being warped around the same cards. Yeah. So, it, it seems to me like they took a very lazy approach with this man, and I actually th- think it's going, to, it's going to end up looking superficially good uh, and beneficial to the format, but in reality, it's not changing the fundamental nature of the format at all.
0: Wait, did you and I just both agree that this is just a very... Lazy banning on their part. Yeah, it's, it's, la- it's just banding. lazy
1: and short sighted. And when you know, were
0: going on this long of a diatribe, I thought like, man, he's gonna like make some really good point and make me sound like a freaking idiot. Like I'm gonna be like, yeah, Ross, you're probably right because you usually are. And I was like, wait a minute, I, I don't know if you saw my head pop up. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm right too? <laughs> I get to be right this yes. time? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it and uh, you know,
1: may, I'm maybe there's more to it behind the scenes that they didn't you know write about in the the article about it uh and they instead you know only told us the lazy parts of it uh but yeah i'm, you know, I'm, sure I'm not willing to give it, them yeah. the benefit of that doubt
0: i am willing to give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt a little bit but i i'm sure there's some of that there but like it does kind of feel like dartboardy right like i think is a way to put it they're kind of just yeah. like uh that one <laughs> like i'll just throw this at that one you know like stuff, if, but if
1: you wanted to fundamentally change how the standard environment works, then you would have banned Fable and or, Fable. or Wedding yeah. Announcement. Th- those to me are the two cards that are defining the current standard metagame. And those are the car- those are two of the cards that make it really difficult for um for decks to exist. Because the, you know
0: Fable of the Mirror Breaker is a card that we kind of just like did we just like not know <laughs> you know, we were like, Oh, this card looks cool, but like Jeez, I remember you you liked it quite a bit. Yeah, we were I mentioned
1: about. it, but I was i I you got scared this, because right? no one else was mentioning it. So I'm like, maybe I'm just wrong, and I didn't want to look like an idiot. So I didn't really go too hard on it, and then instead, I made myself look like an idiot when I could have made myself look like a genius.
0: Yeah, I mean, it happens. You know, like it happens. Like, um, I kind of wish we got to do our normal top eight set for this set because I would've talked about Telerian Terror quite a bit and how I thought it was good enough for Constructed and it is in Constructed. And I was like, oh man, I would've gotten really right at that one, but we also get some really, really wrong as well, so I think it's fine, you know, but I was just trying to give you some props. I remember the only person I really distinctly remember being like, yo, this card might be pretty good is you. And I was like, I, I don't know. And like, it's one of those cards, like when you look at it, you're like, yeah, it does a lot of things. It's a little slow, but then the way the game plays out, you're like, man, this card is good. Like, have you ever just played against it, and you're like, wait, it's still going to do this next turn, and then it's still going to do this next turn? You know, it just keeps doing stuff.
1: Yeah, and and that's one of the issues, you know, with Standard is that there's a lot of cards that just keep the gas flowing that are relatively cheap. You know, it's not like a five-mana Planeswalker. It's these... You know, Corpse Connoisseur, Two for Ones, and Fables, and Wedding Announcements, and all the cards I've been talking about, and that combined with a bunch of cheap removal—they all have the 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 quasi-fatal push. And um, there's another one-man removal spell in Standard too. There's like a uh, Voltage Surge. Cut, is it cut down? Yeah, cut down and Voltage Surge. Yeah, I can remember uh, something you know, down. Yeah, <laughs> and even like Blood Tithe Harvester—that's like you know, uh, combined creature removal spell. It's just so hard for aggro decks to uh, get underneath, the, you know, these decks at all, and it's impossible for them to go over the top of them because they just have too much removal and card advantage. So, it, the, you know, those are the reasons aggro has been struggling. M- maybe Meathook Masker opens up some, uh, you know, some window for like a go wide aggressive deck. Yeah, big of the like, one ones. Yeah. Like, go, you know, goes wide with like overrun effects and things like that 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 might be a positive effect of a metook massacre band. I don't know if the cards really exist. I know there are some good token makers in the format, uh but you know whether it ends up being competitive but the, that's something I would definitely look into. You know, an aggro deck that can, that matches up well against spot removal, even cheap spot removal, because the mid-range decks are still going to have that and metook massacre is definitely their big check on wide battlefields. So m- maybe there will be a positive element from there and honestly like anything that gets aggro decks into this standard metagame is going to be helpful because right now it is a slog i did i did the commentary of the mana traders about you know three weeks ago now or so and just every match was going to time it's just super mid-range yeah one of the things we noticed it it was matias leverado uh lavunga on mpgo and he he was playing with racto sacrifice and the the games were all going super long but he was very clearly well practiced with the deck and with the moto interface And so at the end of every game one, win or lose, he was up like six minutes on the clock from his opponent. So he's
0: he's winning. Yeah, Yeah.
1: and so his opponent would literally have to win game two because there's no way they could. they they just couldn't finish three games and they were going to time out first. So it was almost like the result of game one didn't matter for him. It was just about making it go long, and I'm not saying he was playing to that at all. Like, he, you know, he's playing to win and just playing normal magic. It's just that because he was playing at a slightly faster pace on, like, every turn, he was just saving, you know, 10, 20 seconds every turn uh, on his opponents, Like it, it gave him a huge advantage. It was, it was ridiculous. And just every matchup is like that, where games go super long, and you're constantly, like, you know, going back and forth. Like honestly, meat hook massacre was a big part of that because anytime one player would fall behind on the battlefield, like you know, it would just be like, oh, can they find a meat hook? And they, you know, they have a lot of card selection. They would find one, and you know, players wouldn't you know spend a meat hook, uh, you know, unnecessarily in the early game. It was always saved for those big turns, and so that would just reset the battlefield, and then you you know get started again, accumulating a bunch of resources and card advantage, and then one player develops an advantage, and then another meat hook would come down and it would reset again. And, you know, sometimes you would have games where the the life totals would slowly eke down on one side, especially, again, with meat hook, and maybe that's how you, you could find a way to end the game. But for the most part, it just went to, you know, 10, 15, 20 turns every game. It was it was mind-numbing.
0: In yeah, like, that, that could put a lot of stress on you when you're in the booth, too, and it's just, like, that all day all day long at some point you're like can someone just kill somebody please Just get through a game i have been there where i've had to cast mid-range formats before and i'm like oh my god can we please just move on kind of thing but yeah i'm wondering what's gonna happen with standard uh i'm right there with you i think the three-man enchantments are dominating the format i think it's you know wedding invitation i think it's fable the mirror breaker and then practically everything else you know a lot of reckoner bankbuster mid-range type things going on there are some other stuff going on, like, you know, uh, I've looked at the the five O deck dumps, and there, there's a few other decks yeah, there There is, like, a, you know, a, a couple decks that are, like, aggressive. Uh, there's, like, a Delver of Secrets deck that went 5 It runs, like, Haunting Gin and, like, Shredder and Terror, and then, you know, just all the, you know, you know, Consider, Fading Hope, Impulse, like, those kinds of things. You know, Wandering Emperor still making a pretty big impact on the format if you're playing white at all. There's the white, like, <clears throat> um, Reanimator deck. Have you seen that one? i have not it runs like uh so it's it's built around like invoke justice you know the the white invoke card do you remember that one does
1: yeah um no i I have no idea what the card does but okay so
0: it's like one and four white it's like return target a permanent card from the graveyard of the battlefield then you distribute four plus one plus one counters among any number of creatures or vehicles you control and so it just has like it just runs like uh a.o uh and like sanctuary warden But, like, its discard outlets are funny. So, it has, like, you know, Wandering Emperor and, like, Spirited Companion as well. Just kind of, like, fill up the curve and stuff like that. And it's got, you know, Fateful Absence, like, removal spells. But the main way that he gets stuff into the graveyard is Fable of the Mirror Breaker and the Restoration of Ganja. So, it's just three-band enchantments. And, like, it just splashes for Fable of the Mirror Breaker in this mono-white deck. Yeah. So, it's, like, literally the only red card in the list... (laughs) and it runs a bunch of the red white dual lands and stuff like that and i was like yeah like this is pretty cool like this deck's actually pretty sweet and, and, a and lot that's of, a deck yeah,
1: that gets i think a lot better yeah. when the black decks don't have access to meat hook and you can just play hard to the battlefield generate all this card advantage with the, those different threats and you know sort of overwhelm them because they're the one-for-one removal that they play just isn't good but but i'm just i just wouldn't call that diversity like they're just yeah. it's just another flavor of mid-range yep
0: and, like, I know a lot of people say, well, the black deck is a natural prey to the to the uh, reanimator deck because, A, it's got a bunch of removal, and, B, it's got Graveyard Trespasser. If you just play correctly or play correctly or play a little smarter sometimes you your three mana enchantments, like, you can do pretty well against them. But like Because the cool thing about the three mana enchantments, Restoration and Fable, is you don't discard until the second chapter. So what you can do is, is you can time it if you have, like, Invoke Justice in your hand to where, like, you're playing it on, you know, turn four, where in turn five you're discarding your card and then you're playing your card, so they don't have the they don't have the chance to either attack you or play a Graveyard Trespasser and get your card. Like they have like an instant speed interaction yeah. for whatever your target is for that turn. So like you know because i actually like you know I often when I like I need to you know do something in arena or just pass some time I'll import a deck and just like you know play it a couple like you know five or ten times real quick and i played this one and it was like really cool and it was surprising me how real powerful this deck was because there was a lot of games where like you put a spirited companion into play right you know you draw your card you get deeper into your deck and like no one wants to trade a card for this freaking one one that already <laughs> drew a card and eventually you're just like all right put this big dumb thing out of my graveyard into play and then now my spirit companion is also a five five yeah you know so now you just got two huge threats and you're like all right good luck all right you kill my big thing attack you for five like just keep going you know, and then you have Wandering Emperor, like, doing gross stuff with it, too. You know, so, um, yeah, I think I think there's a chance that some these decks happen, and, like, I hope Standard is a thing, you know, going forward, and gets a little better about that stuff, so we'll, we'll have to figure it out. So, I'm excited about that. Now, onto to the banning that happened in Modern. This is something people have been asking for, I feel like, for the last year. And uh, the last of the truly, like, big, oppressive companions is gone. Ross like we still have some other companions and they're gonna be they're gonna be played a lot more in modern, but Yorion is dead.
1: It's okay, everyone. We still have Lutri.
0: I I was try to keep a straight face. I do think that card's awesome. I love the decks that it's played in. Yeah. This is a Gigantha format, in my opinion, now we're gonna see all that Gigantha and like you'll maybe see some other stuff because Companion is just that good, you know? But but I think players everywhere who have to play modern in paper are screaming sighs of relief that they don't have to shuffle these decks anymore a hundred times a game, and you know make multiple piles out of them, and they don't have to play against these decks trying to go super long every round. You know, hopefully that's not a thing anymore. And somebody made a good point. Uh, it's like a very good joking point that I saw on Twitter. It's just like maybe the reason this got banned is Wizards didn't like the best deck in modern literally being named Money Pile. The deck is just a million dollars.
1: Yeah. Um, You know, yeah, maybe both these bands are are motivated by those sorts of uh, monetary concerns. But, yeah, to me, Yorian falls in the Sensei's Divining Top, Shaharazad category of, you know, cards that put an unnecessary tax on tournament logistics. And in this case, it was a little bit less of just making the tournaments go forever, though that did sometimes happen. Like, when I when I played my first RCQ uh, at the end of July, there was a f- there were two four color decks in the top eight, and they played a mirror in the quarterfinals, and I literally just had to wait around for like an hour and a half, two
0: hours for them and to finish their that's match. Not you, that's not you being hyperbolic. It's actually an hour. And
1: yeah, half. Uh, and I was as soon as game one was over, I was like, okay, I know who I'm rooting for. <laughs> I don't I don't care about the differences in their builds. I just want this to be a two zero, and so I can get out of here. Uh, and you know, uh, and I, I'm also you know particularly concerned with the, the shuffling aspect. Okay. I think players don't you know in paper magic, players just don't you know sufficiently randomize their decks. And part of it is a time concern, like you know, and, and in certain times I get that, and I, and I, I will be one of them. But as long as I feel I have you know enough time to do it, I'm gonna you know sufficiently randomize. Um, it's one of the things that that. I think players that go from paper to to Magic Online are, I think, probably more prone to complaining about the shuffler and like you know going it down that conspiracy theory rabbit hole because they're just used to actually not sufficiently randomized decks and now they're getting one that is and it, it feels weird. But you know it it takes a lot it takes a lot of effort to sufficiently randomize you know a sixty card deck. Uh, especially when you're not perfectly riffling it every single time or you know maybe not riffling it at all if you know your deck is expensive and and you don't want to bend your cards um I don't give a shit about that I beat the I beat the crap out of my cards so I'm uh, aware uh, because I, I I want them to be randomized and you know, your index I think were literally impossible to randomize in a sufficient time period like it's mm-hmm. just just impossible
0: yeah and like I think it's a big deal right I think you know you, I, I mentioned it I kind of talked over you a little bit uh everybody knows my stance on since he's Divining top i think it's it lived a lot longer than i thought it should have it's one of the most egregious cards in the history of the game in my opinion and that has almost nothing to do with power level of the card you know i think there is something to be said about cards that involve dexterity game length and just overall game um enjoyment in magic and i think that's a big deal and i think that's a part of what's going on here not just the competitive part of like, yeah, these these decks are good, because we've actually seen the deck take a little bit of a step back recently. You know, you were talking to me about this before the show. You know, you think that like, it might not even be quote-unquote the best deck in modern anymore. You know, there's... Oh, it's, it
1: certainly isn't at this point, or, yeah. or wasn't last week. Right? Yeah.
0: Right? And then, um... <clears throat> where was I going with this? And then, you know, you got you got that part of it as well, but like, there's something to be said about what it does to a game of Magic as well. And like, my biggest gripe with since Sensei's Defining Top is the fact that it just destroyed the game of Magic. Like, it made the games go way too long. Every time you have priority, you have to do this thing that takes time. And, and like, yeah, you know, there's the joke that, you know, remember, like, you know, we used to joke about, like, like Joe Lossett being a slow player and he would, like, always have it and, like, it would take extra time. And, like, he was practiced, so that card went really fast. You know, like, Ross has seen me resolve brainstorm versus the average person resolve brainstorm. I'm a little bit faster than the average person, but if I had to do that 30 times a game, I'm probably going to time. Yeah. You know, like... Cause like here's the thing, it doesn't matter how fast you are at it. Once you start adding in the seventh and eighth and ninth and tenth time you do it, and the extra variables, it's gonna take more time. You have more information. You know, every single time a card is no longer in your deck, you have more information. And it takes more time. So like I hated that card, but you know, are a little different, but same, right? In the fact that it causes all these problems. Like your deck is huge, the games go so long. You're dealing with all this shit. And then, like, it was a scourge on the format as well. And then any deck that could cast it, you had to have, like, a good reason not to play it. Not to just be like, all right, here's these extra cards that do very similar things to my other cards. Or, you know, draw me a bunch of extra cards. Or just do, do something to keep me alive to make Yorion as good as possible. Now I get Yorion. Also, you know, it makes... I, it, it does help out a little bit in making some of the best cards in Modern a little worse. Like, I, I don't think it can be said enough how much it makes Solitude just a little bit less good. In modern, you don't have the free white card to just go like pay three mana now, just like get to hold up Solitude or get to cast this card next turn and stuff like that, too. Like, that's important,
1: it is. And uh, I think people have underrated the importance of Yorian to the four color deck. Like, yes, there were 60 card versions of this. Yes, a big reason Yorian was important for the deck was it was critical in the mirror match, uh, and but I think it was critical in a lot of other places, you know, because the part of what makes the companion mechanic so good is that you have this, it's not only an extra card, but it's an extra card that you can plan around. Like, you know you have access to it every game as the game goes along. And that means you don't have to put similar types of effects, you know, big card advantage, uh, you know, generators that would take over a long game in your deck. And those are cards that, you know, yeah, are great to top-deck on turn five and beyond, but can clog your opening hand. Yorian gets to be there, you know, Lurrus did this as well, every single game for you without ever clogging up your hand. And because you can plan around it, then you build your deck in such a way that you just don't put those clogging cards into your deck to begin with. You know, maybe you have the one Emrakul, right, that they had to play to, you know, go really over the top in the mirrors. Uh, And some lists didn't main deck it, some did. But for the most part, you were allowed to build your deck in a leaner way because you knew Yorian was there to carry you. So th- there's been a lot of talk about potentially four color decks getting you know better because you get to draw Ren and six more often. Obviously, red and six is the best card in the deck. The card is busted, and card that
0: you, most people wanted banned.
1: Actually. Yeah, and and you get to draw Omnath more often, which is you know the the second best card in the deck and uh, incredible. Uh, but you know, you also have to put cards like you know, I've seen Big Teferi in a lot of the the new lists. A card like that, you know, that is gonna, you know, give you that edge in the long games, and you have to cut some of your early games. You're playing, you know, less less removal. You're playing, you know, a lot of the cards that you added to make the extra 20 were just cantrips. So it's not like they were clogging your draws at all. It was your abundant growths and your your ice fan Abundant growth was a big part of the mana base. You know, it allowed you to fetch more basics, take less damage, and still cast your spells reliably. Or, you know, if you happen to not draw as many fetch lands and, you know, just draw this weird collection of, of shocks, duels, and triomes, you know, Abundant Growth could could work it out. And, you know, you got to play, you know, a little bit of a tutor package, whether it was with Elodomri's Call or Traverse Olvenwald, you know, those tutors let you play individually powerful cards like Emrakul or One Endurance Main or a Fury, so you no longer have access to any of those. And yeah, like you'll draw Ren and Omnath more often, but those cards are going to get worse because you have less options around them, and your deck is going to get, I think, significantly clunkier because you have to put some more expensive cards in your deck in order to make sure your light game is as good. So Personally, I, I think Four Color is just not a particularly good deck at this point. I'm expecting it to be rather poor. It was already declining because it, it was so bad against creativity, and creativity it's has got the most, the most popular, popular deck. Popular deck, yeah. Yeah, over the last two or three weeks, uh, you know, I, I think you know one of the reasons I started playing breach is because I thought I had a good four color matchup. I was right, and uh, you know, so the, the you know smaller rise of breach has also put a damper in, in four color, and so the you know I, I think four color at, at this point is. You know, at best tier two if you know you want to use that kind of terminology. Uh because the you know, Yorian was a, a Yorian wasn't just there for the mirrors. <laughs> the people who say that I I I don't get that. You know, Yorian that won you a lot of games just being there when you mulliganed, being there in games where your opponents just traded a bunch of resources off and you like you, you know, you suddenly just had this four-five flyer that drew two or three cards. Uh and you know that that put you solidly ahead. Now you have to sit there and hope to draw your Teferi on time. That that's the other aspect of how ha- you know having those late game cards in your deck instead of in your companion in your you know companion slot. You know sometimes they clog your hand early, but also sometimes you just don't draw them late, right? Like you know there's only two of them in your deck. If they're both in the bottom twenty cards, it's just not going to be there for you. Yorian the was there every single time. That level of consistency is part of the reason the deck you know won as much as it did. And you know, that that only makes a difference in maybe five percent of games. But it, if it's the deck's win rate goes down by two or three percentage points, that's a huge difference. You know, I I think that's one of the things that people can can take away from uh the like you know archetype matrices that like MTG data puts out on Twitter. They put out a couple recently. You know, the individual matchup data usually doesn't have a large enough sample size to be relevant. Um, you know, and, and they should put confidence intervals on those numbers uh, to show you how, you know, not, you know, uh, specific that the data is or how variable it is. But I think the thing that you can look at is just see, like, how low everyone's win rates are overall. If you look at the overall win rates of all the decks, they're all between, like, 48 and 58%, right? And the, the higher ones, they're all amplified a little bit. By the noise in the metagame, like when you play against you know r- rogue decks that people are playing that aren't really trying to win. So if you think about you know just the metagame, the section of the metagame of you know the top ten d- decks or so that those tiered decks, the win rates in the uh, among those are going to be between like fifty one and fifty six, and th- that's the that that's the the range in which competitive Magic is played, you know. Everybody talks about matchups like they're 60%, 70%, 80%. It's just hyperbole. And you're talking about small edges. So, like, you know, the loss of Yorian may seem small, but those that small edge adds up and becomes a huge difference on the success of the deck.
0: Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so... With this gone, and like you said, it's not the contender that it used to be, but do you think this actually, like, opens up any avenues in modern that haven't been explored or, like, you know, decks that maybe were just suppressed by this a little bit?
1: So uh, I would say that, you know, objectively speaking, it probably shouldn't because I don't... It wasn't a huge part of of the metagame. Obviously, it was a little more represented in paper, uh, and it was already declining. But when you're talking about metagaming... It's not about the, you know, objective numbers, it's about the perception. And if people's perception is that decks like is it Merktide and Hammer yet better because those were the decks that were weak to four color, then they're going to play more of them even if they're wrong. And so I think this first weekend we'll probably see an increase in decks that had a perceived bad Hammer matchup because that's kind of like, you know, level 2 or, uh, or I guess maybe even level 1 of like a post-ban metagame is play the decks that were bad against the deck that got worse because of the ban. Um, and then, it, you know, it's play the decks that are good against those decks and, and so on. Uh, but I, I would not be surprised to see an increase in, uh, if not numbers, but also just, you know, success of Hammer and uh, and Is It Murktide. And that's definitely something I'm keeping in mind for my RCQ tomorrow.
0: Do you have any idea of what you're doing in your RCQ tomorrow? Do you have, like, a, a set plan?
1: I mean, I'm playing Breach.
0: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but did I, anything change?
1: Um, I'm I'm waffling right now. on playing a third Prismatic ending. I'm not sure where the space comes from on the sideboard, but that's it. There's just, like, no space in the main deck. I've also thought about playing the Shadow Spear, but that's just because I saw a lot of Burn last time I played at SCG, playing the, the Spear of the Main again. Uh, but that's just, like, a local concern. I, I wouldn't advise other people to do it. Um... But yeah, it, I'm not going to make, you know, sweeping changes because I don't think this is a huge change in the metagame, but just like a minor shift, I think Prismatic Ending is one of the better cards against Hammer, like taking out an early uh Sigarda's aid, also being able to take out Hammer's late, but also, you know, answering the different creatures. Uh, that versatility is important in that matchup, but space in the deck is so tight now. Uh, it's an unfortunate reality of getting the deck better tuned, is that yeah. you, you don't have bad cards that you're just willing to cut all the time.
0: Yeah, exactly right. When you get the deck a little more right, you're not like, well, this is easy to tr- this is easy to trim, this is easy to sideboard.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so we'll we'll see if I pull the trigger, but that that that'll basically be it. Um, once we're done with this, that's part of my Friday afternoon is writing up the an updated sideboard guide and reactions to this band that are specific to breach. So that'll be on the Patreon by the time y'all are listening to this.
0: Ooh, I'm excited to take a look at that. I like to look at the Patreon stuff. Yeah. <laughs> speaking of patreon we do have a sponsor that we need to shout out and make sure that people hear about um i actually was talking to them and one of uh the people who listened to our podcast uh i think it was yesterday because they were ordering some soap offline and they're like hey your, your code's not working like so let's make sure we get the, the the correct code and everything out there but it's pretty easy to do but make sure you check out barrister and man that's man of two n's barristerandman.com for all your uh manscaping, personscaping needs. I'm a big fan of the products here, especially the soaps. I've just been so big on the soaps lately and trying out new ones and getting new scents and stuff, so I definitely think everyone should check them out. Ross, have you gotten that beard oil yet?
1: Mm. Oh, I've, I've had it for a while. I use it regularly.
0: Okay. How, how do you like it?
1: Mm, it's great. Beard oil, like, you know, it, it just... It's hard to sort of quantify, but because you don't really... It's not something you would notice until you've used it.
0: Until you've done it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I was the you're... same way with uh with the, the shaving butter. Yeah.
1: Be- because it the oil helps sort of separate all the hair. So once you comb your beard after it's oiled, it just looks so neat and like so incredibly well put together. Like almost it just looks professionally done at that point. And it's just the oil, you know, sort of helping your comb get all of the hairs separate. Uh, they're also now more pliable, and they'll just kind of comb into place, and so everything looks so neat and put together once you once you oil your beard. It's incredible.
0: Yeah, big, big fan. Also, you're just going to smell better with all their products. All of them have great, great scents. I definitely recommend getting uh, trying out like yeah. a couple different ones. I've been, uh, you know, I've been using
1: the Sandalwood beard oil. God, Excellent.
0: Sandalwood is so good. But yeah, make sure you check it out. Uh, the code is MTGRANTS15. Uh, That's in all caps. So MTG Rants fifteen all caps. That'll get you fifteen percent off of your first order, and then uh, you will have to pay full price after that. But you know, whenever our code changes, it should it should come back around. You should be able to get another one. But make sure you check them out. Great time of the year to be getting this stuff for yourself or a loved one. You know, we got holidays coming up. These make really good gifts, believe it or not. Hopefully, they won't get too offended when you buy them soap. But it's also (laughs) just a funny. It's a funny one too, by the way. It's like, yeah, bro. You know. Notice recently you're not smelling as good as you possibly could. So here, here here's a way to, to smell just a little bit better. But make sure you check them out. It's barristerandman They help keep the lights on for us every weekend, paying Brent's lovely salary. So we appreciate that. And we appreciate Brent. Speaking of Brent, I did actually want to make a little bit of a shout out for our lovely editor uh, Brent this weekend because you know you and I have been playing some competitive uh, some competitive magic for a long time. He's been playing it a little less than we have, but playing it more recently. That we have, Besides maybe, you know, you, you've been playing a good bit. I haven't had, had as much time. But Brent recently just made a really big finish at that uh, SCG Dallas event that you were mentioning. Uh, he made the elimination rounds. He made top 12. Yep. And he joined the uh, the uh four-digit club. You know, he got a four-digit score playing Magic. So I think everybody remembers the first time, you know, they got at least a $1,000 check playing Magic. So congratulations, Brent. Really great job. Played a deck that you're a big fan of and thinks is really, really good. He played Creativity. Did really well. He has a a tournament report up on. I believe he put it up on Reddit. I just clicked the link on his Twitter. Yeah, I just clicked the link on Twitter and went to wherever it needed to be. And uh, definitely check that out. He's got some stuff up on Patreon as well. If you're in there, he's answering questions in there. You have any questions about the deck, what he played, how he played against it, how he sideboarded and stuff? I'm sure he'd be happy to help you all out because he's the new best Magic player on the pod. So
1: (laughs) yeah, now now I have to top eight another tournament to regain the title is that how you, it works what about, what
0: about what about me i gotta at least play in a damn tournament first yeah i'm just gonna play like a local like 12 band make top eight yeah. and be like what's up well you know? i mean we already knew you it. were the
1: third best in the pod but, but if that's, he's that's it's, it's, it's brent and me alternating yeah, sure. at, at first so
0: that's never that's that's never been the question i have more hair than both of you so i'll, I'll uh i had to sorry ross i had to hey
1: if you count all the hair true, I, you have more, i think i've, I've got, got, it's got very you. true
0: yeah it's very true the beard the beard is a lot but yeah uh, also, his he just looks good bald. So anyway, uh, he's got that nice, like, good, you know, shave going. Like, it's like, you know what I'm talking about? It's like real clean. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I like it. But
1: let's not I am not going to look good list. bald. I'm
0: not looking forward to it. <laughs> you got, I've got an odd-shaped head. But <laughs> I do.
1: I do have an odd-shaped head. It's not fair. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. So um, we did have a question in the mailbag this week. I haven't read it ahead of time. Oh, no, 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 I apologize. We don't have a question in the mailbag. This is one that we got to last week. I apologize. So we got that. Let's do a couple overrated, and underrated, and then we'll get out of here. Okay, how's that sound? Sounds like a plan. All right, let me uh, scroll through this because you always hit us so much. Uh, give me a second. Uh, <laughs> someone said the overrated, underrated segment.
1: <laughs> it is properly rated, everyone understands that it's awesome.
0: Yeah, I go through my phases. Sometimes it's overrated, sometimes it's underrated, so that probably means it's properly rated. So, uh this one's a good one for something. This this is a good one considering what's been going on weekly with you and I. Uh Kofira says coverage of card game tournaments.
1: Uh uh underrated. It's great. Like coverage, it's not just, you know, watching it at home. The coverage makes the tournament experience better because, you know, you can it, it's great to have those matches. That area is, you know, an area where people congregate to watch the players that are doing really well. And, you know, the, the coverage people are there walking around uh, and their presence makes it better. So just the entire tournament experience is increased by the, the presence of, uh, of coverage. And then, of course, you also just have, you know, viewing at home, which I love to do on my off weekends. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Dr. Unks says the NFL...
1: Uh, overrated. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with you there. <laughs> yeah, uh, the company I,
0: sucks. The product is okay.
1: Yeah, um, it's just like how many horrible injuries do we need to see?
0: <laughs> the stuff with the stuff with Tua was like, yeah, it actually made me. It actually made me sick.
1: And uh, and it's not just the you know the really noticeable horrible injuries, We also just have mounds of data that show that you know cte comes from just the everyday hits and the repeated you know jostling of the brain just over and over and over again over years i'm at the point where i don't think uh you know people under 18 should even be playing tackle football and i i'm not even sure like anyone should be it's it's ugh but like,
0: i i i watched this um documentary on it once and they're getting really big into concussions and CTE stuff. So this was probably like eight or 10 years ago. And they went to like, I think it was like a local JUCO or like, you know, a smaller college. Or maybe it was a high school. And they weren't even like, you know, the, the biggest, most competitive stuff. So this isn't like the biggest, fastest kids, right? Yeah. And they were showing, you know, the hits that they were taking. And then they compared them to what you would have to get in real life to get to simulate this. And they were talking about like, I, I don't have the exact numbers right, but they were comparing it to head-on collisions in your car. And I was just like, "Yeah, my kids aren't playing football. That's, it's just it's just not happening." Like, <laughs> yeah. just, the upside is just not enough. So, uh, over the the product is entertaining for a few hours. I hate the company. So there we go. Here's a good one for you. Cathal says Roger Federer retiring.
1: Um, honestly, un- underrated. There wasn't a lot of fanfare. It sort of slipped so- through. Yeah. yeah, like, you know, he hadn't played for a year, essentially, and, you know, everybody knew that he wasn't, you know, going to come back and be a top-level contender again. I thought he was going to come back and play one more year where, you know, he would lose in the first two rounds of, like, almost every tournament, you know, maybe make one exciting run. But, you know, he would he would do his farewell tour at all the tournaments that he was, you know— uh you know the more, most prevalent for his career like he'd play the four majors he'd play like the Dubai tournament he always played maybe one of Indian Wells in Miami if, uh and then the Halley grass tune up for Wimbledon he played that a lot his hometown tournament in Basel in Switzerland uh probably like you know Cincinnati and, and maybe one or two others and uh you know we we would sort of get a year long retirement out, out of it and instead you know, he just comes out and goes like, Yeah, you know, you know, uh, I have got to retire. So clearly like the recovery wasn't going great, right? Um, or there's
0: another setback or something? You yeah.
1: Know? And so he plays his like, you know, one farewell match at the Labor Cup, uh, that I'm sure he'll be heavily involved in moving forward in his retirement. And it's just like, you know, we hadn't seen him for a year, and then it's just like, Oh yeah, I'm not really coming back and then he's gone. And uh so not the best uh, you know, in terms of uh, for for how legendary he is within tennis, you know, for my money, the greatest player of all time. Obviously, like you know, D- Nadal and Djokovic have passed him in terms of majors. Uh, I I could go deep into this argument, but um, you know, um, with that would take too much time. But uh, you know, he really, you know, he is at the very least a top five tennis player of all time, and one, certainly one of the most popular. <laughs> you know, him and Nadal probably, uh, you know, reached new heights on that level. So to see him sort of bow out so quickly and unceremoniously um, was a little disappointing. But obviously, like, you know, if you can't play, can't play.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It was a little sad to see. uh, But like you said, end of an era. Guy was amazing. Can't be underrated enough. One of the best to ever do it. So, yeah, Uh, great to see. Uh, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode. Ross, where can people find more stuff from you?
1: Uh, right now, just follow me on Twitter. I'm at Ross Hunteds, uh, and you'll get announcements for you know everything from uh, content that goes out on the patreon or um, you know tournaments I'm playing and and updates on those or uh you know when the next time Todd and I will be doing commentary in Ohio for Apex so uh that, that's the best place for now and then uh you know I'll start hyping the stream once that actually you know gets soon. up and running hashtag soon. soon.
0: All right, you can find me on Twitter at the Tanning Grace. Uh, thanks for listening this week. We'll see y'all next week. Hopefully, we have a bunch of some new spoilers for the new set. Uh, it's about time we haven't had a spoilers for about a week. It feels weird not to have them. But, I feel uh, like we're, we're going to
1: start getting them during uh, Magic Thirty.
0: Yeah, I mean that's what's actually going to happen. But uh, it's going to be about two weeks for them. So, all yeah. right, we'll see y'all next episode.